0: Great to have you with us, as always, on the Precision Farming Dealer Podcast. My name is Noah Newman, Associate Editor. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we're taking the show on the road to Fresno, California for FIRA 2022, the California Agrobotics and Technology Forum. So we had the chance to catch up with several companies and get an up-close look at their robots. Our first stop takes us to the Gus booth. Grower Success Manager Ben Valines fills us in on the latest from Gus Automation.
1: I'm Ben Blinds, Grower Success Manager for Gus Automation. At Gus, I kind of put the puzzle pieces together between our production line, our IT guys, um, our dealers. Help customers get started on the right foot. Make sure everything is ready to go by time units. Get to field. Make sure customer has training. Dealers have training, so that way everyone can start off the right way. So we're standing next to would we'll be kind of our flagship. What we started with, which is Orchard Gus, 600 gallon orchard sprayer, fully autonomous, four wheel drive four-wheel steer, kind of Cadillac. It's kind of all the best components. Very overbuilt machine. Um, Every machine that's out there is uh, still running. So a lot of customers come back and I've started with four, now I have eight. Those who had eight, now I have 12. So uh, it's been a very, very successful machine. But this unit here is kind of the big boy. So this is gonna be more for nut crops. So you're looking almonds, walnuts, pistachios, pecans, all of those crops, so customers who are in somewhere where this guy's not going to fit, are obviously going to run towards Minigus, um, which is new for last year. So Gus is going to be four foot shorter, um, two feet narrower and a foot shorter height wise. So uh, you do give up a little bit of capacity. You've got 400 gallons versus 600 gallons, but obviously you're not going to fit this guy in a vineyard without, it's just not going to work. So, so that's our second product line. We also have a herbicide unit coming out, which is based on this platform. So, you'll have a 600 gallon herbicide sprayer. That unit is going to have the option to have Weed It sensors on it. So, you'll have nine Weed It sensors. So, you're looking maybe spraying 60 gallons on a tank by using Weed It. So, Weed It's nice because it sprays just the weeds, so you don't have to strip spray. So, you can use a lot, more chemi- lot less chemical going that way, refill it less, cover more ground. You know, efficiency is is where it's at. So, which is kind of another area where it got shines. You know, we take a lot of the uh, user error out of spraying so one it's nice because you don't have a guy on a tractor that's going to be around the chemicals so we take him out he's in a pickup with a laptop uh, most common we see is we'll see uh, one operator with a pickup and a laptop uh, monitoring four gusses. you can do up to eight but the kind of the sweet spot is we'll see an operator four gusses, and then we'll see like a 2400 gallon nurse truck that will nurse them so Gus is gonna stop when it gets to a refill point Nurse truck plugs in, machine's immobilized. Um, there's actually multiple safety features that will make it sure the machine doesn't move. Um, refill times could be three minutes or less, and then he hits resume, and bam, you keep spraying. So you can really cover a lot of ground. Uh, your speed is always the same. Your application rate's always the same. There's really there's no room for error. So a lot of our software makes it so you can't double spray, so you're not going to accidentally spray the same row twice or you're not gonna overlap sprayers and this sprayer already sprayed here and that one does the same thing. So we've got a lot of technology built in where pretty much every turn you're picking up efficiencies, you're getting more precision. Um, and then obviously being able to sit in a pickup with heat and AC is a lot nicer than being on a tractor doing you know two and a half miles an hour, row after row after row. So uh, hugely successful products. Um, orchard Gusses, we've got about 165 of these out now uh, so we're orchard gusses are going to be a lot in central California. We've got these in Florida and Australia um, down in Arizona. And then mini is going to be mostly Pacific Northwest. Um, so we've got some up there in apples in Oregon and Washington. Um, and then obviously central California, we're going to have those in vineyards down here too. So, but that's kind of the gist of the company. So we've been selling since 2019. So uh, we've been in it. We've been doing it the first 10 units that they hand built, they built for themselves. And those units are all still out spraying. So they're definitely an overbuilt machine. You're not going to, you're not going to hurt it. So um, they're they're built to last. So most of our dealers right now um, are going to be John Deere dealers. So uh, we're kind of slowly adding more dealers in. There's you know, there's no reason to add 100 dealers and not be able to get machines out. We built two a week right now. So um, our dealers are kind of you know, we're putting them in strategic locations where um, you know, the, the market is going to, you know, where those customers are going to be at that are going to utilize these machines. So obviously you're not going to have a 50 acre grower going to go buy in a square. So, um, But it's mostly John Deere dealers and all our dealers, we train them to be self-sufficient. Um, so dealers right now are in um, all the states where the machines are at. So we've got dealers up and down California, um, Pacific Northwest, so Oregon, Washington, uh, we have a dealer in Florida, and we have a dealer in Arizona, and we have a dealer in Arizona too. So, so kind of everywhere our machines are at, um, we make sure there's a dealer there to support those customers. It's going to be hopefully still cutting edge. So I feel like um, you know, with as many units as we have out and return customers and the success rate that we're seeing customers and how successful our dealers have been, um, I, we're just going to keep growing. Five years from now, we may be, hey, we have you know 2,000 units out or whatever it happens to be. We'll have an orchard gust, you know. We'll have a mini gust. Our herbicide prototype's going to be here. Um, who knows what else will be after that? We have a mini herbicide or something electric or you know who knows. So definitely, our focus is on um, kind of the high value crop stuff. So you're going to see you know nuts and fruits and vineyards. Um, I don't see us branching out into like row crop stuff. So um, definitely, we're going to concentrate on what our bread and butter is which is a lot of the high value stuff. So that's kind of where, where we want to be, where we want to serve growers. That's kind of where um, the need is. Thank you
0: very much for that, Ben. Swarm Farm CEO, Andrew Bate, meanwhile, was a very popular guy at the forum, but he's such a nice guy. He took some time to chat with us about the future of his
2: company and autonomy in general. Here's Andrew. So we're an Australian ag tech company building agricultural robotics. We're very much born on the farm. So we're farmers ourselves. All of our software developers, all of our team are based on farm in Australia. We, I guess we pride ourselves in practical technology that farmers can use. And one of our big milestones uh, earlier this year, we cracked one million acres commercially farmed with our robots, and um, we're very proud of what our teams have, I guess, achieved in that. That they're genuine hand over the keys autonomous robots, and they're not operated by our staff. They're operated by you know, farms in Australia. And um, yeah, it's been quite an incredible journey to take something from a vision of from our own farm through to a startup technology company, sort of commercially deployed, hardened, you know, rugged company that can actually deliver autonomy. Important difference between what Swarm Farm's doing and and, and I guess what else is happening in the broader robotic industry. Um, we've developed what we call integrated autonomy. Um, so we build base robots or base, base platforms, which are the robots themselves. And if you look actually at this picture here, um, we just build autonomous robots, so we build this part, we don't build the spray tanks, we don't build the spray burns. we actually partner and integrate with third parties to put the technology on board. So we took a view very early in agriculture that you know the world needs a platform and we need a, a platform to deliver autonomy onto farms, but also we need thousands of developers around the world working on new technology to release it into autonomous agriculture to truly change the way we farm. So... We never started Swarm Farm to save farm labour or kind of cut labour costs. We actually started Swarm Farm as a company to bring new farming practices into play that could actually change the way we grow our crops, and that's what we set out to achieve. And so that's why it's so important with integrated autonomy that we're now building the platform that allows companies around the world that have developed new weeding technology, fruit picking technology, um, chemical-free pest control technology, uh, more efficient ways to use fertilisers, application of biologicals on plants, we're allowing the kind of innovators developing this new technology to get their products to market. And um, I think that's really important because, you know, farmers need autonomy and they need these new farming practices, but also ag tech needs a pathway and waiting for it to be delivered practically. And that's kind of what we're doing here. We, um, we deploy our robots with farmers and for a three-year period. So farmers sign up one of our robots for a three-year term. Um, we fully support that robot for the three years, and then we change that robot out three years down the track. Um, it's a really good model because um, the technology is moving so fast that three years down the track, our robots are pretty much obsolete. Um, software's harder to support on older hardware. I guess with the amount of utilisation that we're getting now, our customers are cracking you know, 3,000-plus hours a year on our robots now. Um, it's not a toy. Um, and so, three years down the track, we're getting close to 10,000 hours in the clock of these machines. Now, you know, if you look out there, most people buying new tractors and farming machinery who buy them new don't own them for 10,000 hours. They've traded them in before then um, because of reliability. Well, it's the same in autonomy. No one wants an unreliable autonomous vehicle. So, that three year term has actually been a really good way to roll our technology out so farmers don't get stuck with legacy equipment that no one wants that we don't get stuck with technology we can't support as new generations of technology come out. Um, it's actually worked really good and our customers really like that model. It's interesting in Australia. So, you know, we're starting to see broad scale adoption of autonomy in Australia. So it's not hard to drive around areas of Queensland and New South Wales now and see our robots running autonomously in paddocks. And it's, it's sort of the norm in some towns where um, the adoption has been really high. And um, as we're starting to scale out now and grow the company, um, there's more and more robots um, pouring into these farming areas in Australia. So it's been a really exciting journey here in Australia. I think, um, I think also, you know, in terms of the broader industry and ag tech, we've probably focused a lot on single point solutions. Um, so, you know, trying to solve, um, you know, one particular problem, you know, how do I kill weeds with steam or how do I, you know, intero cultivate between weeds or how do I pick a tomato um, these are really hard problems to solve and, and, and take a lot of work. And you're seeing a lot of venture capital burn up into these um, solving these problems. And they are really important problems to solve. It's just that they're hard and it takes some time to get there. So um, what we're seeing now is adoption of technology that's got an ROI now, um, which is exciting. And we're seeing that pattern flow out now with the robots we've got out there. Um, and I suppose the bit we're really excited about, and so is the farming community, is these high-end ROI type products. The things that can pick fruit the things that can prune vines, the stuff that sort of, um, you know, can harvest different crops like cotton in the future. It doesn't quite exist yet robotically, but it will. And that's where it gets really exciting in the future. Yeah, very much. So I guess, you know, uh, for the future of Swarm Farm, um, you know, we we build partnerships with other companies and help get their product to market. Um, like I said, we don't build tools and attachments for our robots. We just seek to help everyone get to market and, and partner with us and, and help us get to customers. So um, I think our growth is going to be really... You know, built on those partnerships we've already built and also new partnerships as well. Um, we'll send our first robots into North America next year. So thinking about first deployments, where we send them, which industries they go into and where we can find an ROI now that makes sense, um, knowing that some ag tech still coming that we're excited about, but not quite ready yet, through to tech that can actually fit on board and actually start making a difference uh, with autonomy as well. So um, it'll be pretty interesting for us as we start to spread our wings outside Australia.
0: Thank you very much, Andrew. Now let's head over to NIO Technologies. A lot of people were over there checking out their three robots, including Oreo. Director of Sales Christian Melendez gives us a scoop.
3: Hello, my name is Christian Melendez. I am Director of Sales for North America for NIO Technologies. We are an agrobotics company, and this is Oreo. Um, he's one of our newest robots. Um, we're starting to take retail orders and we'll be delivering here in the middle of 2023. One thing that makes our technology special, and it's true with all our robots, whether it's the smallest or the largest, is they all have three key factors. They're all electric, they're all autonomous, and they all have built in RTK GPS. That's a normal tech. Normally, that technology is reserved for really really high value crops or growers with a lot of capital now a smaller grower can participate and have the accuracy of RTK technology so that's something that I'm particularly proud of Uh, this unit Oreo is designed for field crops everything from lettuce broccoli sugar beets carrots onions and um, it's it it will adapt it can do 40 inch beds 80 inch beds Um, again it's fully electric and we're good for about seven to ten hours of running time depending on soil conditions and charging time is about eight hours you can flop the batteries out in about half an hour so you can keep it running on a long summer day Uh, being that it's fully electric there's an electric motor at each of the axles so it has four-wheel drive and four-wheel steering Uh, less moving parts in an electric engine so there's less weight less soil compaction Um, and that's something that the growers are very very keen on we have technology from, we are a robot company. We're not a tool company. So we partner with a lot of companies and they provide us our technology. This unit has cult interline weeding, and that really allows us to get super precise to the plant. And, and for an organic grower that doesn't use herbicides, well, it's, it's, a, it's a godsend. And for a conventional grower, it allows them to save money because let's say they were doing a six inch herbicide line now they can do a four inch herbicide or a three inch because they can get that much more accurate. Any grower that has problems with weeding or wants to do seeding, we're not a tractor, we're an autonomous tool carrier. So you can seed, you can weed. In the future, we're hoping to integrate uh, pesticide applications. If you're a farmer and you're looking to get more precise work in your field, we're, we're ideal for that. This is the way the world's going. And um, we like to say that we're the tip of the spear. There's a three step process. Usually what we'll do is we'll do a demo. We'll take a robot out to the field and we'll demonstrate it. Uh, Next step is they'll pay us on a per acre basis and we'll do it. And then usually after a half a year or a year, the grower will just end up buying a unit. Now, we do have a lot of customers that don't want to deal with the technology, so they'll just pay us. And they've been customers are two, three years and we go weed for them on a weekly or monthly basis and we do it that way so we we definitely adjust to the grower where you have one operator controlling multiple units and kind of like when you go into Best Buy you have the guy in front of all the computer screens so you'll have an operator in the field with an iPad and he's viewing cameras in real time on the robots and he can monitor four to six units at one time. This is the tip of the spear we need we need help in agriculture we got to get more efficient we have to get more effective and the only way we're going to do this is doing it this way with With um, with robots and artificial intelligence in the field.
0: Thanks, Christian. Also, a lot of buzz about the laser weeder, a weed zapping beast from Carbon Robotics. We caught up with Director of Sales Brad Westcott.
4: Hi there. So I'm Brad with Carbon Robotics. I'm the Director of Sales. What we have with us today is the laser weeder, and the great part about what we have is it it is what it, it is what the name is. It is a was a a machine that deals with weeds out in uh, the field, particularly specialty veg and row crops with high labor costs traditionally for for weed control. And it uses lasers basically to pinpoint weeds uh, right at the meristem and with thermal energy basically uh, destroy that weeds ability to continue to grow through more or less cauterizing all of the uh, essential parts of that weed it is 20 feet wide it hooks to the back of a tractor you don't need a super big tractor in terms of horsepower to pull it because it is supporting its own weight when it's uh not uh being lifted by the three-point hitch but believe it or not you need a pretty decent sized tractor with a medium frame about 150 horsepower to get it lifted for road turnaround so like a six series is is typically what you'd see kind of on the other side hooked up there's 30 lasers and if you think about lasers um at least the, the individual lasers as Um, places where you can make withdrawals on the, the total amount of energy that you have to spend. So the laser reader has a certain kind of finite amount of energy and it's a big, decent amount. But every time a laser makes a shot, it's making a withdrawal. So this directly correlates to the size of the weed that we shoot. The smaller the weed, the better for us, because the less time on target it takes to actually kill that weed. So we really like to be in the field when weeds are small, from that kind of day one emergence up to about 14 days. When they're in that two leaf uh, cotyledon stage, like that's perfect for us. And believe it or not, the computer vision that we have on board that's doing the identification of the crop and the weed Um, That's a sophisticated part of uh, deep learning and AI software that we developed ourselves that's not just detecting, you know, where the objects are but actually locating that meristem and then locating, uh, uh, determining what species those weeds are that we are locating and determining what specific dosage to give each weed. So we don't even treat each weed as the same as the next based on size. We actually take into account the species and that allows us to put a lot of micro-efficiencies into the solution. So at the end of the day, what we're seeing is 80% reduction in costs for growers who are typically used to paying a a large hand weeding bill or perhaps maybe a a chemical herbicide application plus a hand weeding cleanup. Um, So there's real dollars and cents out there being put towards a task that with a laser weeder could be greater optimized. Um, You know, it it isn't necessarily going to be easy on the, the wallet when you look at the, the, you know, the initial sticker shock, but when you start to pencil the, the cost uh, savings per acre, there's a break even traditionally in there, um, at least for the growers that we've uh, seen uh, adopting this in less than three years. So save 80% of costs and break even in less than three years is a pretty good deal. So right now, the cost of the weeding is typically what dictates who buys one of these things. So if somebody has a high weeding bill today, they're a pretty good candidate for the laser reader. Can it work in a low cost per acre uh, weed control situation like a broad acre barley or a, a you know wheat a, a or something? Sure, it's a line of sight problem for us and our computer vision does not need the rows or a specific crop. We can train the models on new crops. so We could literally shoot in, in anything. We're, we're crop agnostic. It's just can the grower justify the upfront cost of the laser beer for that task? For right now, we're seeing high adoption in specialty crops, uh, high you know adoption from organic growers and things like your leafy greens, your spinaches, your arugula, baby leaves, uh, carrots. Um, Right now, we probably have about 25 to 30 crops that are currently being um, laser weeded by our existing customer base. And that number will continue to grow, continue to see ourselves expanding to different geographical regions, and then hopefully internationally we'll encounter some new things too. So so we're selling direct. And so you can come basically to me and you can have a conversation. And what we'll do is we'll really kind of break down what you're currently doing for weed control and look at the, you know, kind of fit for our solution. there's a pre-order process. So right now we have you know, a contract manufacturer that's building these things for us. And we we have this problem where we have more demand than we have production slots and capability to build a machine that, again, has never existed before. It's the first of its kind. So what customers are doing is they're basically jumping in line with a pre-order. And that's a 1% fully refundable deposit of the uh, total cost of the, the laser. Gear. If anybody would be interested in, in acquiring one, that's step one. And then there's kind of a process with the long time you know, getting getting an actual production spot secured with a, a larger deposit.
0: Thanks, Brad. That's going to wrap things up for this edition of the Precision Farming Dealer podcast from FIRA 2022 in Fresno, California. Before we go, I want to tell you about the Precision Farming Dealer Summit because it is coming up soon. It's going to take place January 9th and 10th in St. Louis. The top precision farming equipment dealerships from around North America will be there for learning and networking. The summit offers a mix of general sessions featuring top industry experts, profit-boosting dealer-to-dealer panels, and also highly interactive roundtable discussions. It'll be a great experience if you're interested in attending. Registration is now open. Head to PrecisionFarmingDealer.com to reserve your spot for the 2023 Precision Farming Dealer Summit. Thanks for tuning in once again. Until next time, my name is Noah Newman. Have a great day.